And so the deal was is that I said, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'm going to have to go door to door. So I just went door to door and I said, I'll just get arrested. If I get arrested, that's just going to be what has to happen. If, if I'm going to, you know, because I got to share the gospel with these people. I went up to Mongolia and I would ask person after person. I mean, uh, I did this over and over again. And I asked them, have you ever heard the name of Jesus? And they said, no. In fact, is I never heard in the time that I was there that somebody said, I know who Jesus is or I knew uh, or, or the other side have heard the name of Jesus. They had never even heard the name of Jesus. But each morning I noticed that these people would go out of their huts and they'd go up in these high places. There were, there were places, there were hills and such there in uh, Mongolia. We were not that far from Siberia, by the way. It was very, very cold. In the early morning especially, they would go up and they had piled bunches of rocks up. I guess it was their own little personal pile of rocks. I don't know how you figured out which pile of rocks you were going to do this with, but they would go up there and they would walk around these rocks three times. And they said that if we walk around the rocks three times every morning, we're going to have a good day. And I wanted to say that's a superstition. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say that's a superstition because that's what it is. And yet I found that when I talk to people about Christianity, especially people even in the United States, they actually believe that we are a superstitious bunch of people who believe something that, as Mark Twain would say, that we know isn't true. You understand? We believe something that we know isn't true. And the fact is, is that we are not superstitious. But I am not sure that Christians can tell the difference between what superstition is and faith. Webster's definition of superstition is a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance, or a false conception of causation. It's a notion maintained despite evidence to the contrary. This is my definition of superstition that is up here. This is not somebody else's. Superstition is an unsubstantiated belief that an action will produce supernatural results. You see the PM, that's because it's me. Okay, that's my definition of superstition. And I can understand why a lot of people think that we are just a bunch of superstitious people. And so they, they think that what we're doing here in our religious acts are just superstitious acts to try to get the favor of God or have karma come our way. That's probably what they would really say is going on. And they believe that that's just superstition. Have you ever thought of yourself as being superstitious as you've come to church? This is the concept that they would, they would put us in. And can you tell the difference between superstition and faith? Can you tell the difference? My goal in this series, I'm going to tell you up front, this is the first one of this series. My goal in this series is to define what faith is so that Christians that adhere to that definition of faith will no longer be superstitious. See, we need to believe, be who we are, and that comes from a belief that is on the inside of us. And that does not come without evidence, and I'll give you the evidences of it as well. So I thought I would open up this, the very foundational superstition that some people have. And I realized that Jesus spoke about that, and it deals with something that we say, I have salvation in Jesus Christ. Is that a superstition, or is that an act of faith? Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. 
Jesus is speaking and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus warns people about being deceived by their superstition. He's warning people that they should not be deceived by their superstition. You see, these people thought that they were going to heaven and they weren't. And they are surprised. Do you realize that? I believe that what Jesus has said here is not a hypothetical thing that is not going to happen. I think that there's going to be a lot of this that happens. They're going to be forbidden entrance into heaven. They are going to try to make an appeal, but it'll be to no avail. They'll not be even listened to because of their, their appeal. They're not even being addressed because of it. They will realize that it is a permanent condition. They cannot revoke and go back. Okay, I'll go back and get it right this next time. And because they believed that their actions would produce the supernatural results that are needed. In other words, they were depending on their own actions to produce the supernatural results. For understand this. Salvation is supernatural. Salvation is absolutely supernatural. I'm going to tell you, I, I cannot explain salvation to you. I can tell you my story. I can, other people can tell you their story. They can tell you what happened. But they really, 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 can you get down to the nuts and bolts of it? We cannot explain what happens. I do know this. It's not because of some words you've said. And I do know this, it's not because of some commitment that you made in terms of I'm going to give so much money, I'm going to do such and such, or I'm going to go be a missionary, or whatever it is that, that is out there, it's not going to be that. I do know this, that there comes a moment when you are walking closer and closer and closer to the Lord, and that belief in the Lord, and suddenly you have stepped over that line, and you've realized that, he, that Jesus is your Lord, and you know him. You know him. That's the difference there. The difference is, is that you know him, he knows you. So that it says here, not everyone who calls Jesus Lord will enter heaven. Now, a lot of people that call Jesus Lord are going to enter into heaven. But incantations and repetitions of words, even if they convey the truth, are not enough to save you. See, the saved are not just those who say the right things. They we're just not the people that just say the right things. Because the Lord has a lot to say about those who say the right things, but their heart is not in the right place. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with what? Their mouth. And they honor me with what? Their lips. They're saying the right things. They're singing the right songs. And it says, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is what? A commandment taught by men. He's saying, that's not what I want. That's what the Lord is saying. And so there is a difference, severe, a a distinct difference between someone who merely calls Jesus Lord and someone who is in a lordship relationship with Jesus. 
For superstition is acting so that you can have, but faith is acting because of who you are. You see the difference that is there. See, superstition says, I will say these words so that I can have salvation. Faith is saying, I'm acting in my salvation because I am saved. The difference that is there. And so that your actions come from that relationship. Your worship comes from that relationship. Even your fear of the Lord. And as I described to you last week, what that really is. The fear of the Lord is the fear that I am going to disappoint him. I want to do what is right. I want to do what will get me closer to him. So why would people come away thinking that if they call Jesus Lord, that they have salvation? I will tell you why. We told them that. We told them. We told them in church. We told them, you walk down this aisle, you repeat these words after me. Now, doesn't that sound like an incantation? Doesn't that sound like magic words to you? If you'll just say the words that I say. And then when they say, but I don't feel any different. You know what we've told, we've told them? Well, you're saved anyway. I've done, there's no difference in me. Well, you're saved anyway. Understand what they're going to do someday. They're going to come to a judgment and they're going to say, I said the right words. I did the right thing. They told me to church. This is what they told me to do. And they're going to look and their name is not going to be in the book of life. That's the tragedy that we have. And unfortunately, in church, we have been so concerned with protocol and possibly even bumping our baptism numbers up that we haven't understood that salvation is a supernatural event that we cannot put a formula down for. And that people are saved as they hear the Lord Jesus calling, calling them to himself. And they walk closer and closer until they have that relationship. People believe that baptism makes them Christians. I hear this all the time. Boy, you're you're baptized. You're saved now. I will tell you, baptism is important because it is an act of obedience. But salvation comes first. You act out of the baptism so that you can... can You talk about your salvation in it. For baptism is nothing more than a superstitious act if you're depending on baptism for going to heaven. It is nothing but a superstitious act. It will just get you wet. That's all it will do. And so I do not depend on baptism. I depend on my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. People who are merely superstitious, though, will appeal to their superstitions to circumvent the true means of salvation. So these people said, well, not only did we call you Lord, we prophesied in your name. Well, prophecy, understand, is not predicting the future. It could predict the future, but it isn't predicting the future. For prophecy is speaking the words of God for God. Understand what that means. And you know what that says to me? That a lot of people who think they're speaking the words for God, that think they're prophesying, will not be in heaven. Do you realize what I'm saying to you? A lot of preachers aren't going to heaven. Hear that from me right now. A lot of preachers who have taught Bible studies and preached sermons, they'll be denied the entrance. You say, how can this be? Well, there's a difference between preparing a message for the Lord, and then that is, or for the people, I should say, 
and one that has the Lord within you. Do you understand the Lord is preparing that message? And these messages may not sound very different. For there are some people who are so charismatic, they are so charming, they're so smart, and they're so maybe other characteristics that I don't have, but that they can sound so good that only the spiritually in tune Christians will notice. Or how do you explain when a preacher gets up and says, before there was the fall of man, in other words, before Adam and Eve sinned, mankind could fly through the air above the birds. And the whole congregation didn't laugh out loud. Or how can you hear a preacher say, and God asked me for my advice. Really, God asked you? And everybody didn't just laugh out loud. And they, they, I watched this on YouTube when this guy preached it. They didn't laugh. Or one where they said, it said, I am a God. A preacher said that. Now, that one I probably would have run out of the room. Not, you know, I wouldn't have just laughed. And they sat there and they absorbed it and they swallowed it in. And I wondered, these, these preachers, I am not sure. I don't know their story. I don't know the, the history of them. So don't, I'm not going to say that. But I wonder how many of them don't even know the Lord in the first place. These people who were saying that, that, uh, that do this, they, you know, they may turn to the Bible and they use it as a book of formulas. And they have incantations. And I've heard them saying things over and over the, you know, they said, these people said they could cast out demons. Uh, and it, it, the interesting thing is the Lord doesn't deny any of the things that they said they could do. I, I just wondered when somebody says they cast out a demon, if the demon didn't say, you know what? I want this guy to believe that this demon has been cast out. Do you understand what I'm saying? The demon just says, I'll tell you what, he'll think that I've been cast out if I just be quiet right now. And then he'll have some, he'll use his superstition. I cast out demons and that's what's going to get me into heaven. And we'll still have him. We'll still have him. And you said, but the demon says, but if I prove that I'm still here, he might realize he can't cast out demons without Jesus. And so he might turn to Jesus. I don't know about those cases. I do know the story of the seven sons of Sceva. Acts chapter 19 verse 13 says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exodists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of Jewish high priests named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit had the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. See, there were people who were not believers attempting to cast out demons. We know that because the scripture even records it. Were they effective? I don't know. I have no idea on that. It says, but it was their appeal to get into heaven. Did we cast out demons? Does that really matter? Oh, and then they said, they appealed to, we performed miracles. Now, there are some people who will call everything a miracle. Understand what I'm trying to say to you. I've heard people say that uh, I found a parking place in this crowded parking lot. It's a miracle. You understand? 
And they'll say anything is a miracle that is out there. And they'll try to convince others that they can perform miracles. I've seen plenty of this on TV. I watched some of the preachers even perform some of these so-called miracles. Miracles are often explainable, folks. They are often explainable, but the timing is not. The fact that somebody is healed from cancer is explainable. But the timing after they have been prayed over at that moment is not. That's the thing about a miracle. But those that have learned that this deception of themselves, what they do is, is that not only are they trying to deceive other people that there's a miracle that has happened, sometimes they deceive themselves. I know that in one case where a youth minister, he he ran outside of the church and he was praising God because the, the church sign had been struck by lightning. And when they asked this nut why he was doing this, it actually did happen. He said, well, I was praying to see the power of God and see what happened. It struck our church sign. Only cost the church $25,000 to replace it. But still, do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? You want to call it a miracle? You go out and call it a miracle because self-deception creates itself. That is what happens. You want to call things miracles? You're going to call them miracles. Superstition prevails When people want to believe that they can perform the supernatural, if they simply say the right magical words. So you don't know how many times I've heard people trying to bring about a supernatural act by saying, in the name of Jesus. And they make Jesus into a three syllable word in that process. And so you, and they're no better than that ad that I love that Dr. Pepper ad. In which they're, you know, they're watching TV and there's a football game on. And this guy's going to kick the, the winning field goal. And one of the guys says, oh, he's Mr. Automatic. And you know what happens? He misses it. You know that commercial. He misses it. And they look at him and say, you jinxed him. They weren't even at the game. And he jinxed him. And later you see them trying him. He's on trial because he jinxed the, the, the guy who who'd missed the, the field goal. And they, and they convict him of it. You know, that's... Superstition, but you say, that's silly. Watch baseball sometime if you want to see some superstition. You watch those baseball players, they will pull on those clubs the exact same number of times each time they get up to bat, touch the thing, they'll, they'll, they'll hold their cross if they have their cross in there. They will do whatever, whatever it is for superstition to, call, to bring it about. I go, there's no more superstitious uh, group of people than people in sports sometimes. And they are self-deceived, but that's what they are. So Jesus will say to those who appeal by their works, I never knew you. You see those words? I never knew you. In the passage with the seven sons of Sceva, there are two words used for I know or used for know. The demon said, Jesus, I know. Uh, The word there means that Jesus, that these demons... They knew Jesus by experience. Now understand what has happened here. They know Jesus by experience because those demons were once in heaven because they were, they are fallen angels now. And they were around our Jesus while he was already in heaven before he ever came down to, to earth. So they knew Jesus by experience. The next word is a different word that I don't, it's not very common, but it's, it's a word that they said, Paul, I recognize the better way I think to translate that would be, Paul, I'm acquainted with. In other words, I know about Paul. I've heard about Paul, but I don't know Paul. You see, 
But so I will say this to you. Jesus knows us by experience or he doesn't know us because that's what that is saying there. Jesus said, I never knew you. He used that word by experience for Jesus will never know the damned by experience. He will never know them by experience. He knows who they are. He's heard of them. Do you understand? He knows, he knows all things, so he knows that. But he does not know them by experience. For he will say, we have never had a conversation with each other. And see, so many people are acquainted with Jesus. Many people will call Jesus Lord. Many people will actually do some work in the church and such. And they will be regular attenders possibly in church. But they do not know him. So we do not know somebody simply because we've had a conversation with them. You know that I have, and through the years that I've been here, I've told you about some very famous people that I've met. Now, I'll just say this to you. There are these very famous people. I may have had 15 to 25, sometimes even 45-minute conversations with them one-on-one. Do you understand? One-on-one. But I do not know them. They do not know me. You understand? And I don't even know where some of them live. If I show up at their porch and I say, you remember the conversation we had back uh, 22 years ago or whatever, you know what they're going to say? Get off my porch. They are not going to let me in their house because they've got a bunch of other nuts that want to get into their house in the same way. And when we come to heaven's door... And we knock on it and say, you know what? I had a conversation with Jesus once. Or I've, had, I've talked about him and, and such. He's going to say, I never knew you. We've never really conversed with each other. We've never really had a relationship with each other. And so Jesus calls them people who are working lawlessness because they are disobedient. And everything that they did, even if they did it in the name of Jesus was wrong because they had no relationship in order to know what to do in the first place. They never heard a command from Jesus Christ. And so what they did, they did in a superstitious manner, thinking that what I do is going to get me what I want. And that is to get me into heaven. And they are essentially no different from the people that walk on top of the high places in Mongolia and walk around the rocks three times hoping that they're going to get a good day. So what was it that kept them out of heaven? Which was it? Jesus didn't know them or they didn't know Jesus. You can't, ex- you can't exclude either one, folks. If you know Jesus, he knows you. If, you know, if he knows you, you know Jesus. You see, what happens to you, you become something when you become a believer. And you become what you are or you aren't what you say that you have become. That ought to burn in a little bit for you. You see, there is a work of God that begins in you when you get salvation. It starts with repentance and a commitment and continues with commitment. When Peter preached the gospel at Pentecost and the people there said, what do we need to do in order to be saved? He responded in Acts chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2 verse uh, 38. 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then what's going to happen? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize what he's saying here? The Holy Spirit comes into you. You're not the same person. You are a different person now. You have the Holy Spirit has now made your spirit alive. Conversation can go on between you and God because your spirit now, which was dead, that had no, uh, had no conversation with God, now has an alive spirit so that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You'll have the conversations with God when that happens and you will receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone who calls, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Realize what he's saying. God is calling you to himself. And so you came in this place. Maybe you came in because... Maybe it's a superstitious act. I don't know why you came in. And maybe you said, you know what? I've been a pretty good person. I've been a good person. But the question I would have is, is that do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I don't care how good you've been or how good you think you've been. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, because the first introduction from Jesus is his calling you to himself and if he is if he is calling you you respond I can't tell you when you'd get saved I don't know if you're going to start walking down the aisle and you get saved right away I don't know how that happens I don't know that you'll come up here and and you'll have a conversation with me and you will get saved I don't know that 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 will happen I don't know that in the middle of all of it you just say you know what Something has happened in my life and I am changed and I am changed because I now know the Lord Jesus Christ and he knows me. But I do know this. He's calling you to himself. So pray with me.